This message was presented at the GYC to the end in Houston, Texas. For other resources like this, visit us online at gycweb.org. Happy Sabbath, GYC. Happy Sabbath, Texas. It's good to have everybody here today. Are you, are you enjoying the Sabbath? You know, when I go places, I always have a little pass-it-on thing we do. Um, we're trying to pass on to the younger generation identity in Christ, mission as Seventh-day Adventist, and leadership in the local church. What do you think about that? So what I'm going to say, I'm going to say pass it on. You're going to shout back to me, identity, mission, leadership, pass it on. Can you do that? Okay, here it goes. Pass it on. I let you guys off easy. Um, normally, I have people jump up in the air. What did you say? You wanted to do that? Okay, we can do that. All right. So I'm going to shout, pass it on to you. You're going to say identity, mission, leadership, and then you're going to step up and go, pass it on. Okay? Can we try it? Only the young people are allowed to do this. All right. Old folks, stay seated because you don't have the energy to, to... No, I'm just kidding. Anybody. Here we go. Pass it on. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Amen. What a blessing to be here. We, I don't know how many of you here were last night to hear Moise's wonderful message about not to leave anyone behind. Amen? Powerful message. I want to bring, begin with a word of prayer at this time and, and really thank the Lord for already being here. I'm not going to ask the Lord to be here because I don't know about you, but I sense his presence. So let's thank him for being here. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, what a great honor it is to be standing before the army of the Lord generation, youth, Christ. Father, we believe with all our heart that this work can be finished in this generation. And Father, we believe this work can be finished by young and old alike working together intergenerationally. And Father, we believe that our message is Jesus and we want to we present him, Lord, in, with the power of the Holy Spirit because we realize, Lord, that he is the only Savior, there is none other. So we love you, Lord, and we thank you for being here in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, wherever I go, people ask me two questions. Usually they ask me, um, why did they choose you to be the world youth director? That's the first question. That makes me a little bit nervous. The second question is, uh, what is your vision for youth ministry? So I have an answer for the first one. The first one is very simple. I don't know if you guys have read this anywhere, but the Bible actually teaches that God calls the foolish things of the world. And also the Bible says his power is made perfect in, help me out, weakness. So that's my only reason why I'm the world youth director today, but I feel very blessed. Amen? The other question that people ask me is, what is your vision for youth ministry? But I got to tell you right now, GYC, with all my heart, we need less visions from men and more visions from God. Instead of asking a mere mortal what their vision is for youth ministry, maybe we should ask God. What do you say? And what I'm really excited about today is that God has given us his vision and his provision in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. If you want to know God's vision for youth ministry or God's vision for the church, if you want to go God's provision or power to make it happen, it's all there in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Amen? Right here in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 is the secret to going big so we can go home. I don't know about you, but I'm ready to go home. Are you ready? 
The secret to going home, going big, and going home is right here. God's vision and God's provision in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. How many of you got your Bibles out? Let's read this together, okay? But you, now notice how personal this is. Twice the Bible says you. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and what? It's right up here on the stage. And what? To the end. Now what's very interesting here is God's vision comes after God's provision. You'll notice here the provision comes first. And you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And then here comes the vision. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Can you say amen? Right there you have a very simple plan. God says, look, here's my vision and here's my provision for making it happen, Seventh-day Adventist Church. GYC, if you want to be a witness to the end, you must receive my baptism of the Holy Spirit. You see, God's vision, and you will be witnesses to me to the end. Of me to the end. That is God's vision. You will be witnesses of me to the end. You know, it's very interesting. In the book of Acts, the Bible tells us that God sets up the borders of the nations. But very interestingly, when it comes to his church, there are no borders. We are, go, we are to go to the end. We are to permeate like yeast. We are to permeate like, like light. But there's no borders. And by the way, if you're a racist, you will not like the Seventh-day Adventist Church. I thought I'd get more amens on that one. This is a church that goes to Samaria and Judea and Jerusalem and to the end of the age. This is a church for every nation, kindred, tongue, and people. That's God's vision. That's why you don't want some measly, weak vision from a man. You want a powerful, big vision from God. You know, I love how Ellen White bought right into this. I love you. You know this quote. With such an army, help me out, with such an army of workers, what? As our youth, what? Rightly trained, might furnish, how soon... The message of a crucified and risen and soon coming Savior could go where? To the whole world. Very interesting. Ellen White basically takes Acts chapter 1 verse 8 and applies it to young people. GYC! Generation Youth for Christ. Amen? Jesus has a vision here that every young person becomes a spirit-filled missionary to the end. No borders. Everywhere. God's vision is every young person. A spirit-filled missionary to the end of the world. Wow. You know, I have a theory about young people. And the theory is that young people were designed to live dangerously. Now, Jesus apparently had the same theory because right here it says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be martyrs. Did you hear me? The actual word for witness here in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 is the word for martyr. Jesus is calling his church to live dangerously that others might be saved. 
even if it means laying down your life because you know that your eternity is securing Jesus, but they don't have the assurance of eternity. A movement of young missionaries, spirit-filled to the end, not only to the end of the earth, but also to the end of their lives. It's the big vision. You know, there's a powerful verse in the Bible, in Psalms chapter 127, verse 4, and it actually describes young people as arrows in the hands of a warrior. Can you say amen? Now, I'm going to invite my wonderful assistant to come out here, and how many of you have ever seen a bow and arrow before? Okay. Um, you don't know how many security clearances I have to pass to get this. They all know I'm emotionally unstable, so they were very worried. Especially when I said I need somebody that could be a moving target and somebody that with an apple and is a volunteer. When I said that, they, they really freaked out. But the Bible says in Psalms 127, verse 4, and don't worry, guys, you're safe. I'm not going to put the bow in here, the arrow in here. But the Bible actually tells us that young people are like arrows in the hands of a warrior. Can you say amen? Now, notice the Bible does not say young people are arrows, are, are like, like arrows in the hands of an archer. Because if it was arrows in the hands of an archer, maybe these young people could just be used for pre- target practice like they are in many churches today. But the Bible says they're, they're arrows in the hands of a warrior. When a warrior shoots an arrow, it's always into the most dangerous places of the earth, the enemy's front lines. The Bible is telling us something very clearly, and Jesus has affirmed it. Young people were designed to live for God, even to death. And even to the ends of the earth. You're all safe now. I'll put this down. I got a couple of amens on that. One of the questions I hear all the time is, Pastor Gary, how do we keep our young people? Have you heard this one? Raise your hand if you've, you've heard that before. Maybe you've said it. It's, it's a great question. How do we keep our young people? I want to tell you right now, here's how we keep Seventh-day Adventist young people. Stop keeping them. Start sending them. It's not your seating capacity. It's not how many arrows you have in the quiver. It's how many you're shooting. It's how many you're sending into the most dangerous places of the earth. God help us if the king of the universe comes back and finds our quiver full of arrows that could have been sent into the enemy front lines. You want to keep your young people, stop keeping them and start sending them. Rightly train them and send them. Give them work to do for God, amen? Send them out to plant churches. By the way, young people can plant churches. They're doing it in the South Pacific Division. Beautiful pictures of young people who have decided to go and plant churches, amen? What if we planted churches in every university in Texas, in every university in your area? What if we started planting churches with young people? Like arrows in the hands of a warrior. You know, I've noticed as I've traveled around, there are three areas that I believe we really need to focus sending our beautiful young people in that direction. By the way, you know what Jesus said? If you're willing to lay down your life for him, you'll actually find it. So Jesus is not calling us to die in the negative sense. He's calling us to die that we might live, that we might really experience life. There'll be times when we'll lay down our lives. You know, it breaks my heart. Just earlier this year, we heard about Bernie Canoe, a 24-year-old young man who was supposed to be married this month laid down his life in Papua, Papua, Indonesia in 2018 in March. Laid down his life, and what was his crime? Going to the most remote part of that area and trying to heal people in the name of Jesus, and he was murdered. 
But you know what's interesting? When they wrote about his report, they actually said that so many young people showed up to his funeral and signed up. We want to go. We want to serve God. We want to be missionaries for the master. Young people were designed to live dangerously. You mark my words, they were designed for this. And the reason we lose young people is we try to keep them safe instead of challenging them to live dangerously for the Lord Jesus. Amen? The first place we need to target is we need to target the cities of the world. Can you say cities? In fact, Jesus right here in his, his beautiful uh, verse, verse, verse 8 here, he starts with a city, Jerusalem. That's where we need to start is the cities. Amen? The cities of the world. I, I could give you tons of quotes that Ellen White has given us on this, but you know that at least 50% of the world population lives in cities. And the other 50% are dependent on the cities. You know, people, we desperately need to see one year in missions starting in all of our cities. I praise God for one year in mission. You just saw a video on this. Young people like you are getting together in teams and taking a year off to reach the city through Christ's method alone, which is, what is his method? To sympathize and serve, right? Socialize, sympathize, serve, and to save. Young people reaching the cities. We've got to reach the cities in these last days. Very important. The other area that we need to target is we need to target the universities. Can you say amen? We need to send our young people in the most dangerous places of the earth, and the universities have become like this. But our young people must go like Daniel did, amen? By the way, I really appreciate Adventist Christian Fellowship, which is the PCM, which is the branch of PCM here in the North American Division. Adventist Christian Fellowship, this is where you get trained. These young people go into the universities and reach the people for Jesus. By the way, do you know what the first PCM uh, group was? It's actually found in Daniel chapter 1. Daniel and his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they went to where? The university of what? Babylon. They're the first PCM team. They target the worst and the most wicked city of all, and they go in there and they stand for Jesus. They live dangerously for Christ. And they actually are able to influence Nebuchadnezzar, the greatest leader of that time. Do you know that in every university around the world, there are people that are staying up late at night like Nebuchadnezzar going, they understand the times they're living in and they have no hope and they don't know what to do. But PCM teams, they go into those universities and they help people hear the wonderful news of the second coming of Jesus. Amen? And call them to Christ. We need to target the cities. We need to target the universities. And people, can I just be blunt with you? We must target the 1040 window. We have neglected this window for far too long. I am afraid that Jesus would have to apologize to the people living from North Africa through the Middle East to Asia if he came back and they've never heard the message. Do you know that two-thirds of the world's population lives in the 1040 window and 90% have never heard the everlasting gospel? Folks, we must target the 1040 window. There is a great call now for carpenters to go there, for builders to go there, for doctors to go there, for businessmen to go there. Some of these places are too dangerous for you to go as a, quote, missionary, or as a, quote, pastor, or as a, quote, evangelist, but you can go as a businessman, businesswoman. We must reach these cities. You say, Pastor Gary, Jesus would never call people to live dangerously, would he? Well, didn't he say to his disciples, I send you out among wolves? That sounds pretty dangerous. You know what Jesus said? Don't go stupid, though. That's my translation. 
Did I send you out among wolves, but don't go stupid. Go like the Waldensians did, amen? As wise as serpents, strategic, amen? And as gentle as Jesus or the Holy Spirit, amen, or as a dove. Come on now. God is calling us to live dangerously for him. I don't know if maybe you've heard the story of uh, the husband and wife that went to the dentist one day. And the wife spoke to the dentist, and the dentist says, okay, can I help you? And she said, yes, we need a cavity removed, but we don't want any Novocaine, no painkiller, nothing. we got to have this cavity removed. No painkiller. doctor said, that's weird, but okay, show me the cavity. She turned to her husband and said, show him your tooth, dear. Many of us are, many of us are very happy to let Jan Andrews And Abraham Laroom, or Bernie Canoe, go through the suffering and the pain that others might live while we sit back and we watch the next series of Netflix. We got awful quiet in here. It's a little concerning. We need to get serious, amen? You got to tell you something, I, it's okay to be SDA. <laughs> I just wanted to tell you that. I just wanted to say that. It's okay to be SDA. Can you say it? It's okay to be SDA. How come you can't say that with more passion? It's okay to be SDA. Are you proud to be a Seventh-day Adventist? Amen. Listen, I got to tell you something. We're not better than the other denominations. We're not. We're not better. But God gave us, listen to me, a greater responsibility do you know what Sister White says? The most solemn, and I'm quoting, the most solemn ever, most solemn message ever given to mortals was given to us. Amen. No, we're not better, but we have a greater responsibility. Thank you very much. And we can be proud, but we can also be humble and realize that, yes, God trusted us with just a, just a simple message, but we have not gone our cities are almost entirely neglected. And there are some places in the 1040 window where there's not even an Adventist. And you hear people say things like, well, you know what, uh, you know, they don't listen to people, foreigners. We foreigners can't go there, you know. Uh, we got to work with the indigenous people. Guess what? There are no indigenous people to work with. If somebody does not go from here and raise up people there, there will be some countries that won't even be reached. We got to get serious. Young people, you need to go to the booths. Everybody say the booths. Sign up for a ministry. Sign up for a mission. Get serious this weekend. What do you say? I hope all of you are going to go to Iceland. I've always wanted to go to Iceland. This is my big chance. That's kind of to the end of the earth, right? We'll see. <laughs> I don't know if you've uh, you noticed the fires that in California, devastating fires. Over a thousand people missing. Um, Paradise, that area there. I understand they lost their entire church and most, if not all, the members lost their homes. I mean, the tragedy of this was, is, is uh, beyond the pale. And somebody sent me a tweet that I, I thought was so, just moved my heart. It was a woman who uh, sent this tweet out and it's kind of gone viral everywhere and somebody sent it to me, so I hope it's true. Um, but in the tweet it says, Whoever honked their horn, this is a woman that escaped the fires. The tweet said, whoever honked their horn obnoxiously at two in the morning and woke me up, thank you, you saved my life. 
Isn't it interesting that the three angels' message is a loud message? It's almost like God is honking, warning the world. The three angels' message is not for you, it's for them. Acts 1-8 is for you. Revelation 14 is for them. They must hear the message. We must be faithful like Noah was. We must be faithful like Jonah eventually became. But we must preach the most, most solemn message ever given to mortals to the world. We must be arrows out of the quiver. We must go into the most dangerous places of the earth. Young people, you don't have to wait for a mighty warrior like your youth pastor or whatever to send you. If God is calling you, don't ask for permission. Go. The reason Jonathan was able to beat the Philistines is because he didn't ask permission. He just went with his armor bearer. Go. God is calling you. Go. Be an arrow, straight and true. They need to hear the most solemn message ever given to mortals. You know, we've been so blessed to have a wonderful Savior, haven't we? You know what? I've often wondered... Where, what happened to the missionary zeal? I mean, don't get me wrong. There are missionaries out there on fire for God in, in some of the most remote places of the earth. I just shared an example of one of them. But overall, with how many 20 million Seventh-day Adventists, man, how fast could we move if we all went, right? I've wrestled with that. Why? And I believe that there's a philosophy floating around, the sinister little philosophy, and if you don't pay attention... It can eat the heart out of, a mission, out of missionary passion. It's called pluralism. Let me tell you what it is. Pluralism goes like this. Hey, listen. All religions are equally valid. Did you hear me? Or there are many paths to God. Or we shouldn't judge others. God knows their heart. Or preach the gospel Use words if necessary. It's a pluralism. It's eating the heart out of a mission. we got to preach the gospel. People aren't just saved by your life. They're saved by Jesus. Silent witness is an oxymoron. Yes, we are to show by our lives that we truly serve the Lord. Amen? Our lives need to give credibility to our words. But people, we got to speak. we got to open our mouths. People are not going to be saved by your good behavior. People will be saved by his good behavior. His righteousness, not yours. Hmm. I like preaching to you guys, but my blood pressure is going up. I'm going to calm it down here. You know, if there were many paths to God, then why the cross? Is that just some mean experiment God placed on Jesus? Jesus, you go ahead and die on the cross, but there'll be other opportunities. You don't need to, by the way, the, the, the word for excruciating pain comes from out of the cross. It means out of the cross, excruciating. Jesus allowed his son to go through that because there's other paths to God? No, the cross proves there's just no other path to God except for Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me, said Jesus. Come on now. You see, what pluralism is, it's an attack at the cross of Jesus. It's a satanic attack at the cross. Yeah, there may be many paths to God, but only one will actually get you to him.
And if there's many paths to God, then why Gethsemane? I mean, that seems like a great time for God to let Jesus in on the, on the secret. Jesus said, Lord, if it is possible, if there's any other way for people to be saved, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine. And that was God's perfect time to say, hey, guess what? Islam, Buddhism, uh, anything else. There's other options, Jesus. Stand up. It's going to be okay. But you know what? Jesus gets silent because there's no other way. This brilliant God that can figure out a lot of ways to get me out of trouble could only come up with one way to save us, and that's it. There's no other way. It's Jesus. Our Savior, Jesus. Don't you love the Lord? You know, one of the big mistakes we make, I think, sometimes is we think that um, Jesus is like, believe in my son, My mic working still? Can you guys hear me? Yeah, okay. We think that's the way things work, but that's not it at all. The Bible says the world was already condemned and already heading for destruction. But God came up with a way to save Muslims and Hindus and Christians and Seventh-day Adventists through his son Jesus who died on the cross. That's his plan. God came up with a plan to save us. That's how wonderful he is. This is why we need God's power in our lives. Amen? This is why we need his vision. And this is why we need his provision, which is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. A friend of mine was telling me one day that he was driving down the road heading to church, and he noticed that in the middle of the road was a, a mother duck and all of her little babies. And the mother duck had been run over and was dead, but all the little babies were crouched around her and moving around, very scared around her. They didn't know what to do, and the cars were going by. And he drove, and he saw this, and he was like, oh my goodness, and he pulls over. He's like, oh, i got to do something to help them. He's looking both ways. He gets one of those igloos out of the back. You guys in Texas know about this, those igloos, right? Big old igloos. Takes this big old ice chest, and he runs out, and he looks both ways, and he starts trying to scoop all the ducks inside the igloo and take them back to safety. And they all get in there, but one of them. One of them is scared to death of him. And so he goes running off as fast as he can into the brush where it's even more dangerous. So the guy goes and puts the other ducks in there. And he goes running and trying to find this other little duck. Trying to make all kinds of duck sounds. I don't know if he tried some Donald Duck stuff. I don't know. But the duck kept going further and further and getting more and more in dangerous situation. Finally, the guy had an idea. He went back to his car True story. Reached in there and grabbed one of, the, one of his siblings. Crossed the road, held the little duck in his hand, and the little duck started quacking. And sure enough, his little sister came out when he heard her brother or whatever it was <laughs> calling. And he was able to save them. What an incredible story. What an incredible story about what God has called us to do. And ye shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be witnesses of me. Jerusalem and Judea and to the ends of the earth. Can you say amen? See, it's our job to go out there and tell people what God is like and to show them what it's like and tell them about the cross, the only way God provided for the salvation of man. God's vision is we go to the ends and tell them it's the only way out of here. It's Jesus God's vision God's provision 
Very interesting. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it does not say that you achieve the Holy Spirit. I know a lot of people seem to be praying as if they're trying to achieve the right to receive the Holy Spirit. If I just pray harder, I can achieve the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But that's not what Jesus says here. He says, but you shall receive power. Not achieve power. That's how the world does it. You achieve power, and then you witness for yourself. That's the world's way. But the Bible says here that the the way we get baptized with the Holy Spirit is we receive the Holy Spirit. Every morning here at GYC, when you see young people gathered around praying, they're not trying to achieve the Holy Spirit. They're opening up their heart to what? Receive. Emptying self that they might receive. Coming into one accord. Confessing their sins, not to achieve, but to what? People, we need young people, we need to be gathering together around in small groups. We need to find our own upper room. And we need to be receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We need to be receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You know, I believe very soon that God is going to launch a movement around this world like we've never seen before. But we need to not wait for that day. We need to begin now praying for the filling of the Holy Spirit upon our lives that we might be empowered to go. Amen? Isn't it so interesting? Isn't it so wonderful that Jesus did not leave us with the force from Star Wars? I know a lot of people today talk about the Holy Spirit as being a force. I don't agree with that. I'll tell you why I don't agree with it, because Jesus doesn't. Over and over again, and you can read it for yourself, in John 14 to 16, Jesus uses a personal pronoun to describe the Holy Spirit. He did not leave us with a force. He left us with a dear, wonderful, powerful, Christ-like, God-glorifying person. And don't let anybody rob you of that. God, Jesus didn't make you an orphan. By the way, Jesus can be closer with you. (laughs) than he even was with the disciples now through the Holy Spirit. You don't cry a tear, sister, that the Holy Spirit doesn't know about. Check it out for yourself. The last verse of 2 Corinthians says that we can actually have fellowship with the Holy Spirit, intimacy with the Holy Spirit. Come on! Also, right there in that last verse, it also puts puts the Holy Spirit right in the Holy Trinity, right there in the last verse of 2 Corinthians. Amen? What a wonderful God we serve. He didn't leave us as orphans. He gave us the power of the Holy Spirit, the comforter, the helper. Come on, amen? Boy, I don't know how you could not see the person of the Holy Spirit read the book of Acts. Guys, he directs the church. He leads the church. He tells them to go. He tells them not to go. He whispers in the ear where they need to share, where they need to step back. The Holy Spirit is in control. In fact, some people have said the book was named wrong. It should have been called the Acts of the Holy Spirit. We desperately need the acts of the Holy Spirit again. Amen? We need to come together in one accord as a people. We need to receive the Holy Spirit by emptying ourselves of all of our our, our petty issues with each other. Look, I get the fact that iron needs to sharpen iron. I get that. It's all right if there's a little sparks that fly back and forth. Can you say amen? But when you begin to mock and malign and mistreat the church, you should step back. Let me tell you why. Because I'm married. And when I got married, I learned something. You can say whatever you want about me. But you talk about my wife, 
let me put this in Texas terms, we might have to throw down. The church is God's wife. I might need an escape car or something. You know, somebody once said something very powerful. He said, if it wasn't for the cross, only God would know how much he loves us. Think about that. (laughs) It's at the cross where we find God's incredible love for us. Amen? Also where we find our hatred towards sin because we see what sin did to the Son of God and what he took for us. Amen? It's at the cross we experience God's love. You know, I love that little phrase in Amazing Facts. Not Amazing Facts, but uh, that too. But um, in the song Amazing Grace... "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved." (laughs) You know what the Bible's saying there? You know know what that verse is saying? That that hymn, I should say, is saying? Here's what it's saying. The hymn is saying this, that "'Twas grace that taught us to fear.'" In other words, out of kindness, God warned the world of what is coming upon the earth. He warned us out of kindness. Grace is kindness. Out of kindness, he taught our hearts to fear. He taught us to know that the end of the world is near. The cities of the world will be destroyed. Those in the 1040 window without Jesus will die without God and without hope. He has taught our heart to fear. His grace, his love has warned us. But his grace for those who believe (laughs) has caused has relieved our fears. Amen? Because we know that on the cross, Jesus Christ took the punishment and condemnation and the wrath of God in our place, and that's the way the Father wanted it. He wanted all of us to be saved. Come on! Can you give him glory? God is good, is he not? All the time. Preach it. I'll never forget a situation that happened to me many years ago, many, many, many years ago. My mom told me not to play with matches. I don't know if you've ever had a mom like that. Now my wife tells me not to play with matches, just to tell you something there, but um, don't play with matches. And so with my sinful nature as it is, I decided to play with some matches. And I went out front of the house or in the back of the house actually I started to light little fires with the grass it was a very dry time of year in Ohio anybody here from Ohio okay good I'm safe I can keep going all right and I started a little fire and it blew up and then I would put the fire out felt really good yeah my mom doesn't know anything light another fire this time I spun around it got a little bigger in it yeah Yep. My mom doesn't know anything. Then I don't know what I was thinking. I wasn't thinking, okay? I lit a fire. And I decided to run around the house. 
Now, about here, I feel this gust of wind and realize the terrible mistake I had made. Come around the other side. The whole backyard is on fire. The only good news about it is the fire is heading to the neighbor's house, not ours. My mother comes running out, oh, you're so in trouble, Gary, and we started to fight the flames. Hi, Mom, I know she's watching. And we were fighting the flames, woo, trying to stop the fire, and finally we just called the, the fire department in Minette, Ohio, and they had never had anything this, this exciting before. <laughs> they had a brand new fire truck, brand new cop car, everybody was clean and neat. We just saw a dust cloud coming our way. Those guys got out, started to spray down the fire. And they put it out in no time, and they all walked around me. Kid, that's a Texas accent, but look at Kid, stop playing with matches. Listen to your mother. For the many years later after that, I'm sure I was known as Pyro Boy in that town. I tell you that story because there's going to come a day when the devil's going to screw up. He's not going to be paying attention to the fire. He's going to run around. He's not going to be looking around. And there'll be some young people in Texas. There'll be some young people in dorm rooms. There'll be some young people on the internet. There'll be some young people in their churches that will come together and they'll pray for God's vision and God's provision. And he'll be running around the side of the house. The ladder rain will hit. Woo! He'll realize his mistake. He'll come around the corner. It's too late. Revelation 18, verse 1. Boom! Boom! And the whole earth is lit up with his glory. I don't know about you, but I want to go big so we can go home. Young people, I want to make an appeal right now, and then I want to get off the stage. Um, not just young people, everybody. By the way, I want you to all know that you're never going to hear me say the youth of the church of today. You're never going to hear me say that. The youth of the church of today. The youth of the church. I'll do other dumb stuff, but not that. Church of the day. Now, don't get me wrong. The youth are part of the church of today. But what about the 80-year-old guy? What about the 70-year-old guy? What, is he on a, some kind of retirement plan? By the way, did you know something? God has no retirement plan. Right? If you're still alive, he has a work for you to do. Amen. We are all the church of today. In fact, Malachi chapter 4 tells us that in the last days, there'll be an intergenerational movement. Hearts of the fathers will turn to the children. Hearts of the children will turn to the fathers. Come on. Intergenerational movement. What that means is the older generation must do what Elijah did. He must pass on leadership to the younger generation. By the way, Elijah didn't want to do it either. All we know is God commanded him to throw his mantle around Elijah. And it almost seems like Elijah didn't want to do it. Have you noticed? He comes up to Elijah and says, hey kid, younger generation. <laughs> Elijah actually has to run after the prophet. Hey, I'll do it. I'll do it. A lot of our young people are like, I want to help in church, please. And the pastor's running off here, the youth leader. Dude, no, 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 no. I didn't say dump it on kids. I said, pass it on. Through observation, participation, and activation like Jesus did.
but pass it on. So I want to speak to everybody, not just the young. If we would go to the church right now, if we go to the cross right now, you'll notice that when they killed, when Jesus died on the cross and they put the spear in his side, two things flowed out from his side. And I don't think there's any mistakes in the Bible. There's no unnecessary details. There's so much richness in the details in the Bible, right? Here's the good news, young and old alike. If you will go to the cross, you will find that flowing from Christ's side is blood for pardon for all of your sins. There's not a sin in your life that's so stained on you that the blood of Jesus can't wash it away. (laughs) I don't know what your problem is. Stop running away from Jesus. You're running away from the wrong guy. He's the Savior. Stop trying to take a bath before you take a shower. Doesn't make any sense. He's the one that cleans you. Go to him as you are. Go to the cross. In the mind of faith, go to the cross and remember that Jesus washes away your sin. You can be free. Young people, I want to appeal to you today. If it is your desire right now to have Jesus wash away your sins, I want to invite you to come forward right now. And I want you to come symbolically like you're coming to the cross. Jesus, my sin I bring before you. Wash it away in your blood, Jesus. I'm coming right now as I am. I'm not trying to clean my life up first. I'm coming as I am. You know, Ellen White says you don't even have to be repentant to come to God. Did you know that? Ellen White does not say you have to be repentant to come to God. She says if you go to him, he'll give you repentance. Come on. Repentance is a gift. Maybe some of you here today that want to say, Jesus, yes, I say yes to your vision to go to the ends of the earth. I see the vision that you have. Divine vision. Oh, God, I have my mind on that vision. If you want to say yes to God's vision, you should be witnesses of me to the end. I want to invite you to come forward as well. Maybe you're coming forward, and maybe you've already come forward too. You can, you can vote twice, by the way, here. If you are thinking to yourself, Oh, God, I know your vision, and I love your vision, but I really need your provision. I... I want you to fill me with the Holy Spirit. I want to be filled with Jesus. <sighs> you know, the devil's not afraid of any of us here. But he is afraid of Jesus in you. Jesus has kicked his butt a lot of times. And he doesn't just have to deal with Jesus now. He has to deal with Jesus and everybody who's filled with his spirit. <laughs> That's pretty scary. That's like Halloween for the devil. That's scary for him. That's why Sister White says, there's nothing Satan fears more than the people of God shall remove every hindrance and that God might pour his spirit upon a languishing church and an impenitent congregation. And she even says it, Satan's worst nightmare that you get filled with the Holy Spirit. Because now he's got to deal with Jesus in you. His words, his wonders, and his works. There may be some of you here today that need to be baptized because, you know, that's your first step. By the way, you don't have to be baptized in water first to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Can you say amen? We know in the book of Acts, it sometimes works the other way. Sometimes you receive the baptism first and then there's water baptism. But you know what? Water baptism is the first step as a missionary. You want to take that first step to be part of God's discipleship movement. 
this movement of spirit-filled missionaries to the end. You need to be baptized with the Holy Spirit if that's your passion. I want you to be, invite you to be baptized today. In fact, we're going to put up on the screen where you can go and say, Lord Jesus, I'm coming as I am. I want to be part of your missionary movement to the end, and I want to be baptized. You love the Lord? I want to say a word of prayer, and then uh, these beautiful ladies, they're wonderful, and gentlemen too, are going to play some songs for you, play a song for you. I'm going to have prayer, and then I'm going to disappear, and they're going to play, but what I'd like you to do is just take some time to commune with the Lord. Can you do that? And I'm going to do the same thing backstage. But let's pray right now. Father, we've taken seriously that one verse that causes the devil to quake. At first, it tells us how we can go big so we can go home. We take that promise and we just tell you, Lord, this is what you've said. We claim this promise. Oh, God, open our eyes to see your vision us to be willing to live dangerously for you and to find our lives in the process. And oh God, as you've promised, baptize us with the Holy Spirit. Fill us. Oh God, Father, we come to you as we are right now. We're, we're underneath the cross in our sanctified imagination and we, we see your blood flowing off in the side, washing away our sins. But we also see the water coming out, which is the symbol of the Holy Spirit. And we, we, we stand underneath the flow of your blood and of your water, that you would cleanse us of all our sins, pardon us, but then through your Spirit, empower us to live for you. Oh God, bless your people. We love you, Jesus. You're a mighty God. Amen. This message was recorded at the GYC to the End in Houston, Texas. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire young people to be Bible-based, Christ-centered, and soul-winning Christians. To download or purchase other resources like this, visit us online at gycweb.org.